Amen? Yeah. All right, I'm excited about this message today, <clears throat> and I want to begin by asking you a question. Is anyone here familiar with the, the famous leader, Michael King? Anybody? Nobody. I'll give you a hint. His name is actually Michael King Jr. I'll give you another hint. There's a holiday celebrating his birthday tomorrow. <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. was actually born Michael King Jr. His daddy, Michael King Sr., was a Baptist pastor. And he, was, he led the cause of civil rights and, 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 and all that in his generation before Martin Luther King uh, was even born. And he went to Germany in 1934 uh, to attend an international conference for Baptist pastors. He actually went to Jerusalem, then he went to Germany, and both changed his life. Uh, he went, Jerusalem changed his life because he said he went to where Jesus was, Jesus taught, Jesus walked, and it just uh, impacted him forever. And by the way, we're going in September. You can still sign up. I want to encourage you to sign up and go with us on this trip to the Holy Land. It is a life-changing thing, and it changed Michael King Sr.'s life. But he also went to Germany uh, for this conference, and in this conference, he visited the places where the great reformer, Martin Luther, uh, did his awesome work. And, and Luther was a Catholic priest who, who uh, began to rise up and protest against the heresies, the abuse, and the oppression that were happening at that time in the Catholic Church. And he began what is known as the Protestant Reformation, out of which came Protestant churches. Think about the, 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 the root of the word Protestant is protest. A Protestant is someone who protests, and he was protesting against, against what, these errors and abuses in the Catholic Church. And so Michael King saw what happened through the life of Martin Luther, and he related it to the struggles, the racial struggles that were going on and the protests that were going on back here in the United States. And, he, and just as Martin Luther took a stand against the oppression that was happening in the Catholic Church, Michael King Sr. was taking a stand against the oppression of racism in America. So when he returned to Atlanta, he changed his name from Michael King to Martin Luther King because of the impact that Martin Luther, the reformer, the Protestant, the protester who led to reforms, he, he had a vision for that, that changing his life, and he changed his son's name to Martin Luther King Jr. Because Michael King knew that great names go with great deeds. And he had a vision to come out of this place where we were in America. And he had a vision to, to protest and to peacefully protest. He passed that on to his son. And, and at Martin Luther King Jr., he kind of struggled with this at first. In fact, his family, most of his family called him Michael his whole life because they had called him that his whole life up until that point. He struggled somewhat with this name change, but eventually he understood what his daddy was doing. He understood what it stood for, and he embraced it, and he embraced what went along with it, and the rest is history. What I want you to see is the power of a name and how that transformation, the changing of a name, led to such a transformation in Martin Luther King Sr. and Jr. Now, we're preaching in a series entitled Transitions for Growth. Not transition, not some people want change just for the sake of change. 
We're talking about transitions for growth. And we, the elders, apostolic team, we felt led to preach on transition to start this year because we believe this will be a year of transition for us. We believe this will be a, a year of growth for us as a church and us individually. We are believing for growth in our church. Anybody with me? I'm believing for it. We believe not just numbers, but in maturity, in, in, in spiritual maturity. At growth. We want to reach more people for Jesus and we want to disciple them so that they, they grow in the Lord. But we must make transitions for that to happen. As some of y'all were here when Dr. Bosman was here and he gave us a prophetic word when he was there, uh, uh, Pastor Deb and I, about, about transitions and things we need to let go of and things we need to grab a hold of. And, and there's changes that are happening in us and there's changes that are happening in our church and things that are happening in us individual. We've got to make transitions for those things to happen. It won't just automatically happen. We, we believe transition must be handled correctly so that we can grow, both as a church and as individuals. Now, Pastor Anthony, I am telling you, he preached such an amazing sermon last week to start off this series. If you didn't hear that message, my life is in transition, I, I think it's the most powerful message the man ever preached. I told him that. I was so proud of him. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that message because it's a very foundational message. But today I'm preaching on positioned for transition. Now remember, transition means the process of changing from one condition to another, from one state to another, from one stage to another, from one season to another, from one position to another. And I look for a verse to kind of express this, and I found it in, in, it's talking about the transition from the old covenant based on law to the new covenant based on grace. And I found it in the message paraphrase of Hebrews 9, 16 through 17 that says, like a will that takes effect when someone dies, the new covenant was put into action at Jesus' death. His death marked the transition from the old plan to the new one. Canceling the old obligations and the accompanying sins and summoning the heirs, that's us, the heirs of God, the joint heirs with Christ, to receive the, internal, the eternal inheritance that was prom prom promised them. He brought together God and his people in this new way. This transition was so huge. And many Jewish leaders at the time fought against it. Because they were not in position for this transition. By the way, Jesus spent his entire ministry trying to position his disciples for this transition. He spent the whole time teaching them what he was going to do on earth and then that he would die and rise again and a new covenant would come on this earth. They never got it, but he spent the whole time trying to transition them for this position. Think about these religious leaders who denied Christ. They were standing in the presence of the Messiah, the one they had been waiting for. For thousands of years, the one they had been praying for for thousands of years, and they missed him. Because they could not make the transition in their mind. They were not positioned for transition. And you will not make the transition God wants you to make unless you are in the right position. Believing the right truths and thinking the right thoughts. Now listen to me. Listen. Listen close. You listening? 
Transition happens in your mind before it happens in your life. Transition happens in your mind before it happens in your life. The reason I told you that story about Dr. King and his name change because I want you to see the power of a name change, especially when it concerns transition. In Bible days, names were not given as casually as they are now. Now, names today, maybe they're naming you after somebody in their family. My name is Joseph Norman Oakley. Joseph was my Uncle Joe and other Josephs in my family. Norman was my mom's maiden name, and uh, she wanted to pass that name on. Um, uh, but names, a lot of times, and people's names in the past, if you wonder where names come from, it's an interesting thing. I'm not going to get into it a lot today, but like if you're an Anderson or a Williamson or a Johnson, it literally means William's son, John's son. That's Joe. Which Joe is that? Joe Johnson. Joe, that's John's son. Uh, a lot of names have to do with places. Oakley is, comes from Oak Lee, L-E-I-G-H, a Lee, a meadow with, surrounded by oaks. It's a place. So names had meaning like that uh, in those days. Now, you know, we people making up names, thinking names, but, uh, names that don't mean nothing, names that are just, let's find the hardest name to spell. Let's find a name that pronounces the totally opposite from the way you spell it. I mean, let's, let's find out there's something hard. But, but in Bible days, names have real meaning and significance. In those days, if you gave a child a name, listen, you were giving him an identity that went with that name. And the child was given that name with the expectation that they would become like their name. The name represented the sum total of all that a person was. And so when you spoke the name of someone, you were speaking what that person represents. For example, Isaac means laughter. His parents were so happy when he was born because they could not have children. Then Isaac was, was born. And every time they called his name, they were saying to him, We're happy that you were born. We're happy that you're alive. And the reason I'm preaching on this today is because I was praying about what to preach. And God impressed me that many times in the Bible, God changed people's names in times of transition. In fact, many times the name change precipitated the transition. It caused the transition. It led to the transition. I'll give you some examples. In Genesis 12, 1 and 2, the Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, your father's household. Go to the land I will, I will show you. Wouldn't you want God to draw me out a map? <laughs> show me where I'm going. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a person of preparation. Anybody who's traveled with me knows that. I'm usually not a fly by the seat of your pants. Let's get up and drive and see where we're going to end up. No, no. Where am I going? I'm going to get a map out, find the best way to get there. Well, God just told him, go. So sometimes, listen to me, sometimes in transition, you, you, you don't know where you're going to end up. Are you willing to change something just because God said do it? Are you willing to get up and go because God said get up and go? Are you willing to stop because God says stop? Are you willing to turn just because God says turn? And you're like, God, where, where am I heading? God said, I will show you. I said, I'm not showing you now, but I will. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you will be a blessing. 
So Abraham went to this land, and he went, ended up in this land called Canaan, and God made a covenant with him, and God blessed him abundantly. God blessed everything that Abraham had except for one thing. Abram, Abram and his wife Sarai had no children. God said in the promise, I'll make you a great nation. No kids. One year, two years, five years, ten years, twenty years. No kids. A promise from God. But 25 years went by. He was 70 when God called him. In Genesis 17, 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and you, and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have, I have, I have, not I will, not I'm planning. I have made you a father of many nations. Man had no kids. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you'll no longer call her Sarah. You will call her Sarah. I will bless her and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will, will come from her. Abraham and Sarah, they had waited 25 years for this. And, and now think about this. God says, change your name. So now you're, the, you're, you're going around. Abram, you know, means father, exalted father. And God says, I want you to change your name to father of nations. So now you're telling everybody, God changed my name. <laughs> to what? Father of nations. Father of a multitude. Man, you ain't got no kids. You're 99 years old. You're past childbearing age. What, what, Abraham? Come on. Sarai meant princess. And now it's Sarah, the mother of nations. Now I can see coming up to me and introducing myself. You can call me princess. But come up to you now and say, call me the mother of nations? Awesome, awesome. How many kids you got? None? How old are you? Whatever, 90-something. And you're calling yourself the mother of nations. It, look, it takes some faith to call yourself what God calls you. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this. Especially when you're not seeing it all in reality yet. You're stepping out in faith. And even when it came time for them to fulfill the, for God to fulfill the promise, they had to go through this transition. And so to, to get them into position for transition, God did something drastic and changed their names. Change their names, change their names to get them into position. And getting them into position required a change of vision, a change of thinking, a change of, of mindset, a change of action. God changed their names because now they were going global. Abram and Sarai were becoming the father and mother of a, a nation. So God positioned them for, for, for transition. Now listen, listen close. Listen closely to me. Their previous names 
were insufficient to empower them to the new mission that God had called them to. Their own names were insufficient to empower them to, 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 to accomplish God's fresh vision for their life. So God had to position them for transition. They were thinking too small. All they wanted is, God, give us one child. Lord, give it. They tried to help God along the way and made many messes uh, uh, by, by trying to have kids through other people. They wanted one child. And, and listen, we've got to make sure for ourselves we're not thinking too small because that will keep us out of positioning for transition for God's destiny for us. Now listen to this. According to the Midrash, which is an, an ancient Jewish commentary on the Bible, listen to what it says. When a person's name changes... They become virtually a different person with a different destiny and a different potential. That's what happened to Abraham and Sarah. Sarah. Abram and Sarai became Abraham and Sarah, and out of them came the nation of Israel. And God did the same thing for their descendant, Jacob. His name meant supplanter. His Name meant cheater. His name meant deceiver. And then, did he live up to his name or what? If you don't know, get out your Bible, look up Jacob, and read about him. He was a deceiving, conniving, deceitful man. He lived up to his name. Until God changed his name. God changed his name to Israel. Meaning to strive with God or to have power with God. God had to transition Jacob from deceiving his way through life to get his own way. He had to change that to Israel, someone who had the power of God in life and who did things God's way. And God has to transition all of us. God has to transition me. God has to transition you from living selfishly, going our own way through life in our own strength, in our own power, in our own wisdom, going our own way, doing our own thing, to God has to transition us to people who live totally dependent upon the power, the grace, the mercy, and the wisdom of God. That's a transition we're all going through. Jesus also changed Simon's name. Simon means hearing. And Jesus changed his name to Peter, which means rock. Now listen, both those names are significant. This is, this, listen, what I'm about, about to tell you, I've never thought of this in my life. I learned it this week in my study. I've never preached on it before, taught on it before, and it just really pretty well fascinated and amazed me. When Jesus first met Peter, Simon, in John 1, 41 through 42, Andrew found his brother, Simon, and said to him, we found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. By the way, who have you brought to Jesus lately? It's not part of my sermon. It just struck me. Do you know the average Christian will live their whole life never bringing one person to Jesus? The vast majority. But Andrew loved his brother. And he brought him to Christ. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Peter, which is translated a rock. Now listen, actually Jesus did not just change his name. He added to his name. You shall also be called. Luke 6, 13 through 14 says, Jesus called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose 12, whom he named as apostles, Simon, 
whom he also called Peter. He didn't just give him a new name to replace the old. He also named him Peter. So he was sometimes known as Simon, sometimes known as Peter, sometimes known as Simon Peter. And by nature, Simon was a brash, vacillating, undependable, uh, outspoken, a man who had the habit of revving up his mouth while his brain was in neutral. And when, when Jesus met him, Simon totally, totally fit James' description of a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, vacillating up and down. And so Jesus changed Simon's name because he wanted it to be a, a reminder of who he should be, who he was calling him to be. Now listen, from that point on, whatever Jesus called this man sent him a subtle message. I'm telling you, this is fascinating because sometimes he called him Simon and sometimes he called him Peter. Look it up in your Bible. When he called him Simon, he was signaling, sending a signal to him, man, you're acting like your old fool self. If he called him the rock, he was commending him for his stability, for his faith. So from that time on, Jesus would either chide him or commend him by just using one name or the other. Jesus would call him Simon when he displayed the characteristics of his old self, when he was sinning in word or thought or action or deed. For instance, when Peter was skeptical because Jesus said, let down your nets, and he goes like, Master, we've been, we're fishermen, all right? I'm paraphrasing here, like, you're a carpenter, you know? Go cut some wood and nail it together. We got the fishing part down. We've been fishing all night. We're generational fishermen. Our father's fish. Our grandfather's fish. We've been fishing on the Sea of Galilee. We know how to fish. And they had fished all night and caught nothing. But Jesus said, let that net down again on the right side. And when Jesus talked to him in that moment of skepticism, he called him Simon. When Jesus rebuked Jesus for saying that he was going to be crucified and Jesus told him, listen, tonight you're going to betray me three times. He called him Simon. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when, when Peter fell asleep while he was supposed to be praying, Jesus called him Simon. On the Sea of Galilee, after the resurrection, when Jesus was going to him after his betrayal, Simon do you love me? Simon, do you love me? Simon, three times, do you love me? Whenever this man needed rebuke or admonishment, Jesus called him Simon. It must have gotten to the point, if it was me, where every time Jesus said, hey, Simon, I'm sure Peter was cringing, like, please, can you call me the rock sometimes? I prefer the rock. And it seems like Jesus was saying, I'll call you the rock when you act like a rock. And he did. In Matthew 16, 15 through 18, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, for this was not revealed to you by man, but, my, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are 
Peter, which means rock, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. A few weeks later, on the day of Pentecost, they were out in the streets speaking in tongues. The people thought they were going crazy, and the crowd got together. Who got up to preach the gospel that day? Peter, not Simon. Peter got up to preach the gospel full of the Holy Spirit. It was Peter who stood up and preached to them. It was because he had transitioned to live up to his new name. And the Bible, look it up. It never calls him Simon ever again in the Bible. It calls him Peter or Simon Peter, never just Simon. He had to make a transition, and God wants to position us to transition us to accomplish the vision he has for us. Let me say it again. He must position us to transition us to accomplish the vision for us. But first, he must change our mindsets about who he is and who we are in him. Do you know the most important thing about you? It's what you believe about God. The second most important thing is what you believe about yourself and what you believe about how God sees you and who God is in you. For many of us, our God is too small. Our God is too small, and we've got to change our mindsets, change about who he is, change our mindsets about who we are in him. Our vision is too short-sighted, and God wants to expand it. So new names in the Bible declared the plan and purpose of God for people's life. God changed people's names in order to position them for transition, to proclaim a new beginning, new hope, new blessings. Positioning for transition. You know, this, this it's, I thought about this when I was studying this week. I hadn't thought about this in decades. As I told you, my, my name is Joseph. But when I was a kid, they called me Joey. Everybody called me Joey. Except for one of my great-grandfathers, he always called me Jody. I don't know if he wasn't hearing right or he just didn't want, or he was rebellious. He called me Jody. But everybody called me Joey. And I'll never forget this. We were living in uh, L.A. We were living in uh, Carson right at, the, at that time. I was in junior high. And I started feeling like I don't want to be called Joey anymore. I started feeling like that. I, I, I knew I was on my way to adulthood. I knew I wasn't there yet, but I knew I was on my way. I was in transition. And I couldn't see myself as a grown man being called Joey. I know some grown men are, and there's no problem with that. But I, I just, for me, I didn't see it. And so I asked everyone at school, at home, at church, friends, I asked everybody, stop calling me Joey and start calling me Joe. Very significant moment in my life because I was declaring out loud who I was becoming. In my mind, I was positioning myself for transitioning. I was seeing myself going from boyhood to manhood. And and, and I had to continually remind people because they were used to calling me Joey my whole life. And I would remind them, I'm not Joey, I'm Joe. Not mean. I would just nicely say, that's not who I am. Listen, something needs to rise up in some of of y'all. When the enemy starts calling you something other than what God calls you, something needs to rise up in you and say, no, 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 no. That's not who I am. Stop calling me that. I'm not saying you need to change your name. Listen, listen, listen close. I'm saying you need to start calling yourself what your heavenly father calls you. Did you get that? 
You've got to start calling yourself what your heavenly Father calls you so that he can transition you, position you for, for transition. You've got to agree with God and call yourself what he calls you. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You will be positioned to transition when your mind is transformed by God's view of you rather than conform to the world's view of you. I know people who believe lies. I'm not talking about doctrinal lies here. I'm talking about lies who about themselves. I know very smart people who think they're stupid. I know beautiful people who think they're ugly. I know enormous, enormously talented people who think they're just mediocre. I know people who are very successful who still think they are failures. And people may have called you stupid or ugly or a loser. And maybe you've even called yourself some of those things. But it's time to change. Today is the day to change. It's time to change your identity. Many problems in life come from us believing the lies about who other people and who the enemy say that we are. And until we identify those lies and replace them with the truth of God's word, we'll never be overcomers. We'll never position for transition to change. And the Bible calls those lies that we, we believe strongholds. They're strongholds in our mind. And these destructive lives, these strongholds can take over our lives if we don't renew our minds with the truth of God's word. Remember Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what you really believe in your heart, what you believe about yourself, you'll live out. If you believe you're a loser, you'll lose. If you believe you're a winner, you won't be satisfied with losing. You'll keep trying and getting better until you win. If you believe you're a sinner, you'll sin. If you believe you're a saint, you'll live a holy life. No, you're not perfect, but you won't see sinning as your identity, as something that you have to do. What you believe about yourself is vitally important. That's why what you believe about yourself must be based on what God says about you, not what some person said about you, not what a teacher said about you, not what the world says about you, not what some friend said about you, not what the enemy says about you, not what even you tell yourself about you. The world's going to try to tell you who you are. People around you are going to try to tell you who you are. The enemy's going to try to tell you who you are. But don't listen to any of them. You tell them, it does not matter who you say that I am. My name is not Joey anymore. My name is Joe. What matters is who God says I am. That's what matters. They may say, well, you're just a sinner, but you say, hey, God says I'm forgiven. They may say, you're, uh, you're just a reject, but you say, God says I'm accepted in the beloved. They say, nobody wants to be your friend, but you say, God calls me his friend. They say, you're a loser, but God says, I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. They say, I'm stupid, but God says, I have the mind of Christ. They might say, I don't have anything, but God says, he gave me all things. They say, nobody wants you, but my Bible says, God chose me. They they say nobody even knows who your daddy is and you can say God is my heavenly father and I am his child they say nobody can love you but you said nothing 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 will ever separate me from the love of God they say you can't do anything in right and you say my God says I can do all things through Christ through strengthens me him who strengthens me I am being positioned for transition by changing the way I think and changing the way I speak. And in closing today, I want to say this. Almost everybody in the Bible who was used by God first responded with, I can't. 
And they were right. They just didn't have the full picture. They need to have a transition in their minds before they were used by God. Because they, they had all the focus on themselves rather than on God. And the way they thought about themselves actually became barriers that they had to break through in order to be transitioned, in order to be positioned for transition. Think about this. Moses had to break through this barrier of not being able to speak well. I, God, you can't use me. Jeremiah had to break through the barrier of thinking he was too old and Abraham, uh, 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 too young, and Abraham had to break through the barrier of thinking he was too old. Sarah had to break through the barrier of thinking, it's impossible for me to have a child. Peter had to break through the barrier, barrier of thinking he was unqualified for ministry because he denied Christ three times. Gideon had to break through the barrier of low self-esteem and thinking he was too weak and his family was too poor. Deborah had to break through the barrier of thinking she could not be used of God because she was a woman. Esther had to break through the barrier of her race. The woman had the, of, at the well had to break through the barrier of her race and her gender and the fact that she had multiple of failed marriages. Thomas had to break through the barrier of doubt. And listen, are you hearing me today? You can do this before. Break through barriers by getting the focus on off of yourself and what you can't do and getting it on God and having faith in what he can do. And when you have faith in what can God can do instead of what you can't do that will lead to your breakthrough you can do all things in his power if God's for you who can be against you whatever you're going through call on the Lord of the breakthroughs and he will get you through I like this old song we used to sing this song years ago it's called I will change your name listen to these lyrics I will change your name you shall no longer be called wounded, outcast, lonely, or afraid. I will change your name. Your new name shall be confidence, joyfulness, overcoming one, faithfulness, friend of God, one who seeks my face. What are you calling yourself? This is between you and God right now. What are you calling yourself? What are you saying about yourself? What are you believing about yourself? Some people go to the other extreme and they just think they're so great. They're all that. They don't need nobody. They don't need God. I got this covered. I got it all done. Well, you need to start calling yourself humble instead of prideful because pride goes before a fall. This touches all of us. What needs to be changed? So that God can position you to transition you to accomplish his vision through you. What old identity do you need to step out of today? What old name do you need to give up today? Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus in this holy moment that you would reveal to every single one of us any area in our life where we have an identity apart from you that's not of you. Where we're believing lies of people, or lies of the enemy, or lies we've told ourselves. Well, right now, just reveal it. Reveal that name. Reveal that identity. Reveal that lie. God, right now, 
take that old name, that old identity, that lie. We bring it to you. Say, here, Lord, take that. Take that. Take it. And I receive my new name, my new identity in Christ. I will no longer view myself after the flesh, but I will see myself in the Spirit of God. Lord, I bind the lies of the devil that have held people back for months, years, some decades, some most of their life based on an old name and an old identity that they need to walk out of today. God, I pray right now by your spirit, you'll begin this work. And I pray, God, that you would impart the faith to actually believe it, to receive it, and to begin to speak it and live it as if it's actually true, because it is. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team to be down front here. And the greatest transition you ever make in your life is transitioning from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. From the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God's dear son, Jesus. And that happens when you're born again. When you receive Jesus by faith. When you repent of going the old way and living according to the old way. And you turn to God. And he changes you. Gives you a new heart. A new life. A new identity. The old man's dead. And all things become new. Come on. Stand to your feet. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus, today is the day of salvation. If you need someone to pray with you for healing, if you need some healing from some memory that's caused, that's held you back, if you need someone to pray for you about changing your identity and your, your name, or anything else you need prayer for, you can come down here and pray at this altar, or these men and women of faith would love to pray for you. Pray for you. Come on down.